Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We record this at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on every Friday. And you normally can watch it on our Facebook, um, the WP Tonic Facebook page. But this week, it's not allowing me to do it, folks. It's saying I, the pri- I haven't got the right privacy settings. If it continues to misbehave, I'm going to YouTube. I should probably do that. I'm going to do that from next week. I'm giving up on it. Uh, um, but we've got a small panel, but a powerful panel. Um, ladies first. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Uh, certainly. I'm Sally Getch, and uh, my business is WP Fangirl. And uh, <clears throat> I am the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup. We're having a meetup this weekend to talk about WP CLI. Oh, sounds interesting. Um, Got Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. Hi, guys. It's Spence uh, from WPLaunchify.com. And I've got my friend, John Locke. John, would you like to introduce yourself? John Locke, right here in Sackdown. <laughs> and you've got your great co-host, bonkers Jonathan Denwood, the English guy who's a bit strange, but there we go. And the main news story is Grumpy Cat has died. I just couldn't, when I heard the news, I just couldn't believe it. So that's the main, so we're giving up on the rest of it. Now, with the help of the panel, I have found some reasonable stories to discuss. And um, But before we go into the story, I want to talk about one of my main sponsors, and that's WP Fusion. And what is WP Fusion, you might ask? Well, if you've got WordPress and you've got a CRM, like Active Campaign, MailChimp, um, there's a host of them. There's, you know, I think WP, WP Fusion supports over 40 CRMs. And what it does, folks, is that, you know, you need to market. Automization is the buzzword of 2019. And what WP Fusion, it enables WordPress to communicate with any of these CRMs. And it pumps it up basically it makes it the stuff that you can do is just mind-boggling so go to the wp fusion uh, website and look at the packages and you've got a bonus exclusively for wp tonic listeners and viewers you get you will get 25 percent of any of the packages and all you have to do is use the coupon code wp tonic all uppercase and you get your 25 percent off what more could you ask for There we go. On to the first story. How I became trapped in the feast and famine cycle. So I think you found this one, John, didn't you? Um, What did you like about this one? What did you learn from this post article, John? Yeah, so this is is an article that uh, is on the... you know, a lot of us go through the the, the, the feast and famine, and and this was from an agency owner. He had he had gone through uh, this cycle, and and it all kind of started with his grand, uh, his grandma uh, got uh, ALS, and it really hit him hard. And and he was um, at the same time he was pushing through like where he would get a bunch of work, and he would uh, you know complete that work. But then because he wasn't doing marketing in between, uh, the, there'd be a big gap. And, and so he'd scramble to get more work. Um, you know, mental illness has been talked about a lot. Depression, uh, suicidal ideation, all this has been talked about uh, a lot in the community in the, recently in the last couple of years. Uh, and I think it's the thing that, that you know, people do struggle with. Um, you know, there's a, a a Slack group where I'm in where one of the people there, they actually took their own life uh, because work was drying up. Um, I think it is really important to to, to focus on not only uh, the, the, the feast and famine part of it is, is you know, you do need to, to market when you're busy. When you are busiest is when you need to market the hardest. But 
when you're dealing with any type of thing, whether it's a divorce, a death in the family, uh, a chronic illness, maybe, you know, something's, you know, happening with your, your kids or your wife or your, you know, family, whatever. It's really important to, you know, have some sort of, of person you could talk to like a therapist uh, or, or whatever it takes, you know, if, if you have a chemical imbalance, then, you know, then there's medication that can help. But I think, I think it's really important because I think this article is more a combination of the two. It's not only feast and famine, but it was also dealing uh, with depression. And I, and I think it's, it's hardest for us to market when we're in, we're, when we're not only like scrambling, but we get caught in a vicious cycle. And I've, I've seen it happen to a lot of people <clears throat> over the last couple of years. So. Yeah, okay. So Spencer, you know, you've been entrepreneur for a long time. No, it's a hard game. It's a tough business, Spencer. How do you keep yourself motivated and going? I mean, I appreciate the article. This is, you know, Matt wrote a very, to the hard thing. He exposed himself in a way that is, you know, very refreshing when you see it. And clearly he's making strides in his own situation. But I think it really gets down to like at the human level, all of us are essentially the same. We, we really are motivated by similar things. We work the same way. And uh, I think this story reflects less upon his WordPress entrepreneurialism as much as, or let me say it differently. It reflects less on his WordPress journey as an entrepreneur than it does on his journey as a person just seeking to find meaning in his life and something that really gives him a purpose uh, and what to do. And for my own particular case, I found early on in my life, because I knew I was an entrepreneur, that I could not work in a corporate environment. There are really two types of people in the workspace, those that want to work for somebody and have that feeling of order and structure and hierarchy and so forth, and those that don't. And when you realize this and decide that you have to work on your own, there are an infinite array of challenges like, you know, how to how to get through a day, how to get used to it. So anyway, I, I really can't add more to what his story said other than I appreciate when somebody's very blatant and honest. I think that's an attribute that I love. And I think the things that help the most for any entrepreneur who's going to do WordPress, make habits in your life that give you order. Try to make every day feel fun. Do only those things that are really like in alignment with your own values and the things you like to do. And be completely open to the idea that you're going to fail a billion times until you get to what works. And if we talk about the James Farmer story, that's a great kind of like counterpoint to the story. James Farmer, I'm sure he's depressed and drinks his head off. But the point is he's already out there saying like, look, I failed 10 times in a glorious way and eventually reached a point where I figured out something that works. And it looks like Matt's onto something here too. Yeah. What do you reckon, Sally? Well, I think there's a, a couple of things going on here, as people have said. I mean, in, in, in one way, uh, you know, this really glib response pops into my mind of, well, if he had, had better marketing automation happening during the, during the feast cycle, there'd be less famine. And, and, you know, the feast and famine cycle of work is something that strikes pretty much everybody who's a, a freelancer and often, you know, even small businesses because, oh, we've got work. We're working. We're working. We're earning money. We're great. It's great. But we're working so hard that we're not doing any marketing. We're not, work, you know, thinking about the pipeline. We're not dealing with what's going to happen next, uh, uh, you know, after this project ra wraps up. And, uh, you know, since there's only so much of any of us to go around, it, it can be hard to avoid that. And if you don't have really good processes in place or, or, you know, somebody else, you know, somebody within your business or, or a contractor or somebody who's concentrating on keeping that pipeline open. And so part of the problem with the feast and famine cycle is not what's happening during the famine part when you come to the end and there's no work. It's, it's that, you know, we are so wrapped up in doing the client work when we have it that we're not doing the marketing, the relationship development, the, the, keeping things uh, open part. And I am as guilty of, of that as, as anybody, but you know, it, it's clear that's part of the issue from a business perspective. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, and, and of course, when you're going through 
severe emotional uh, turmoil. And as somebody who's, who's dealing with occasionally overpowering grief at the moment, I, I deeply sympathize. Um, it makes it it's much harder to like sit down and try to put a process in place so that at least you're, you know, sending emails out to your previous clients, reminding them in that you exist and that, you know, well, it's been, it's been a few years, you know, you might want to have your website uh, rechecked or, you know, is your business expanding or, or whatever you're, you know, what, whatever you do, it's, it's hard, much harder to keep those things up when you're going through something that's really emotionally difficult, it's very hard to put yourself out there and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to like go to networking events and be cheerful and positive. Yeah. Uh, you know, not. Um, <clears throat> so it, uh, you know, it's, it's already something that's, that's kind of, you know, balanced very finely. And, and if you throw something into it and life throws these things at us all the time, uh, it can really mess it up. It certainly can. I, I just, I kind of like five years ago, I, I went through a really bad divorce and financially and uh, emotionally. And I took about six months off, more than that, probably a year off. And I went back to the UK. And I, I was really thinking, should I go back to the UK or should I go back to America? And um, it took me about a year to realize I wanted to go back to America. Uh, um, I got used to the sunshine <laughs> and uh, and then I made another big decision you know I went back and I was doing kind of general freelancing work and trying to get local websites and I decided I really didn't want to do that anymore because um, in northern Nevada um, and I'm sure this is the same in any part of America that's not in a very large metropolitan area, you got to do a lot of bum licking to get work. You got to, <laughs> you you really got to do a lot of local bum licking um, to get some decent clients. And I didn't, I wasn't, I really wasn't in the mind to do any more bum licking. So I decided that um, I would try and get work, package the work, and try and build something online and that's that's been tough but I am getting somewhere but I also decided that I wasn't going to do all the work anymore and so that took that took a financial hit as well but um, in the long term I knew it was going to be the best um, for me um, so you make these decisions but being being a freelancer or entrepreneur, whatever you want to call yourself, is a it's a tough business. It's a tough old game. But if you've got some friends or some people that you can be honest with, I think that does help as well. So I, I think it's a great article. Um, on yeah, go on, sorry. Oh, before before you move on, I just want to say this too. You know, uh, all of us have like an online persona that we present, kind of like you know we're this, you know, person in WordPress or whatever it is. But, you know, you don't, unless you're like part of that person's, you know, inner circle, you probably don't know everything that's going on with a person, whether it's, you know, me, you, somebody else. And it's it's just good to keep in mind that we all struggle with the same things. You know, all everybody goes through some sort of, of thing. And it's, it's not... Um, you know, it's not weakness to uh, go and, and seek help, whether that's therapy or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I would encourage people to do that. So yeah, sure. that's all. Thanks. On to the next story, which Sally found for us. MailChimp expands from email to full marketing platform. Says it will make $700 million in 2019. What, what, why did you like this one, Sally? Uh, well, I, I figured, it, you know, it's it's partly because lots of people in WordPress use MailChimp or work with MailChimp. It's, it's you know, easy to integrate in ways that um, certain other email marketing platforms uh, are not uh, and has an API. And, and, you know, I saw this and it's kind of like, well, okay, so we're, you know, we're seeing businesses expanding and...
Is, that... is, only, is only she gone? Oh, she's, okay. she's just totally frozen, absolutely frozen, folks. Um, oh, she, she come back? No, she isn't. <laughs> Do you want to oh, take? A- I'm sorry. I know I, I disappeared. Um, yes. Anyway, was was just saying that uh, you know it's it's really looking like in, this is an era where you cannot compete if you're just doing email. And you've got to do more of that marketing automation that Spence is uh, so expert at now. Yeah. So what do you reckon, Spencer? What do you reckon about this? Obviously, we're going to hear more about this from everybody or anybody else, but specifically. By the way, the thing that interested me with a a reading of it, they were saying that they, they were going to build, they're going to supply a, Am I correct in the statement they're going to provide a website building tool? Yeah. Um, I think they are, and they're also going to provide other tools with e-commerce. But, I mean, I, I'll address this as a general flashback to the conversation we had way, way back when about <clears throat> WordPress as a platform versus closed platforms. The place we're in today is that everybody essentially needs the same result. We really need... And I say we, anyone who's running a business, needs an online place to efficiently run their business. And the tools that you need include those components that we are all familiar with. There's the CMS part. There is the transactional part. There is the email marketing part, like a traditional white label engine to send it. And then there is the marketing automation part. Within the subset of the CMS are things like an LMS to organize your content and so on and so forth. But the point is WordPress until recently was not capable of putting that all together with Jack Arturo's plug in WP fusion. It is possible to have an ecosystem where you have everything on WordPress. Then you have your CRM that does its three important things. And then on the other end, you can do things that bolt on, like you can bolt on accessories like a Metoric or something to help you improve the view of your dashboard. Point is, that's WordPress. On the other side are all those platforms that want to compete. Well, some of them are obviously an all-in-one thing, like a Kajabi or a ClickFunnels. Those are clearly just saying up front, hey, we have everything you need. Shopify is sort of a hybrid of that because they're saying, well, we're an e-commerce first, but by the way, there's all these other things that sort of bolts on, although not marketing automation. The CRMs or the marketing automation platforms Confusionsoft, Salesforce, ActiveCampaign, Drip, Entreport, and now MailChimp, they all exist with large user bases, and they all realize that there's a horse race that they want to get into as well, which is, what if we take our user base and start giving them CMS functions and transactional functions and LMS functions? So what's happening is there's two columns, the SaaS platforms versus the WordPress ecosystem. And you will see various players, and I have an opinion about MailChimp, will try, just like you see Entreport doing and like Infusionsoft doing, use all of our things over here. The problem is, and most all of my calls, I have six to eight calls a day sometimes, is I get refugees from the SaaS platforms. The refugees are people who come and, you know, they say, it's so alluring to start with ClickFunnels. Are you going to build a are you going to build a wall? Am I going to what? <laughs> build a wall. No, no wall. I, I, I have a caravan. Build that wall. Build that wall. I love a wall of, of, of that magnitude. So they all come and they say, essentially, I was so attracted to the allure of this pre-made thing that said it could do everything I want. And then like any gilded cage, they get locked in and they realize, Jesus, I'm inside of a cage here because it's an API only. I can't do what I could do on WordPress. I don't own my data. I don't control it. And they just raise the price on me like triple. You can see here MailChimp's indication where they want to go. Now, long (laughs) diatribe, but there's a good lesson here because the lesson is with the proper construction, anybody who's listening, you need WordPress as your planet that has all of your people interacting on it with the main things that you do. There's only two things that you need outside, really one at the moment. The second is optional. You need to use a marketing automation platform like a MailChimp to keep track of the tags and the fields about user behavior, to write automations about what you're going to do to personalize those people's journeys, either through 
email follow-ups or with WP Fusion through changing the WordPress environment. And third is to act as this white label email engine. MailChimp was the last one to the party. They're the best company of all. They have the best creation tools, ease of use, blah, blah, blah. Currently, their marketing automation sucks the big one. It is so like bolted on, but because they relate to the game and because they have 700 million bucks and they're not indebted to anybody, my bet is that they will eventually get their shit together and give the kind of marketing automation you know, builder that exists on other platforms like Active Campaign. And when they do that, they will be unstoppable because one of the key things that they talk about here is they acknowledge that they want to make this for SMB, small to medium business users. And for an SMB to spend free 20 or even 300 a month is a great value if they can deliver the kind of tools that right now are really sucky elsewhere. Last thing on this long, I feel like Morton today because I'm going on like an encyclopedia. Last thing, I think it's a gigantic waste of energy right now, but it will eventually stop that all of these third-party SaaS companies are trying to allure people into using all their accessory bolt-on stuff. Because what happens is that same thing that caravans people to me now. The ecosystem people should use is WordPress primarily with the CRM being an orbiting sort of space station accessory, not the other way around. And I think that that's one of the goals that I've you know, had is to make the WordPress community understand this so it becomes kind of as common as a jetpack or something rather than it being like, oh, gee, I built this Frankenstein monster and I can't get it to work because they started at the wrong end. They started with trying to make MailChimp their business and then, oh, by the way, I added a WordPress site. It should be WordPress and then add MailChimp. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you're right, you know, because they're basic... Um I played around with their um, landing page builder about six, seven months ago, and it was really, really clunky. Um, and even their support documentation wasn't that fantastic. For people that don't know any better, who are, are tricked, not tricked, but who just don't know better to think like, oh, I could just use a WordPress site with one of the, you know, Divi Beaver Builder, Elementor, or Gutenberg, and so on. And they don't realize, because nobody knows that much when you're starting out. What is the consequence of deciding to buy a tricycle instead of a 10-speed bike? I'll be riding a 10, you know, a tricycle when I'm in high school and look like a moron because I'm locked into the tricycle. That's what happens when they start on platforms. That's why I couldn't get any dates. Uh, um, uh, um, I worked it out now. Thanks, Uncle Spencer. Uh, It it always puzzled me. Um, um, John, John, what did you think? I'll give you guys a video for that one. Sure. Uh, So it looks like they're um, they're becoming a domain registrar. Yeah. Uh, uh, And it looks like yeah. And I think what 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 they're saying here, the websites uh, coming soon. Uh, they probably will have some kind of uh, page building tool. Maybe, you know, this will be another competitor uh, to that, uh, you know, 50% goal that WordPress is trying to get to. I think this is um, this is a serious play uh, to t- try and lure like small businesses into their ecosystem. Um, not only for email, because I think they have a lot of people on email lists already. Uh, but but also for the whole package, and I, I think a lot of small businesses will uh, pr- probably bite on this as as this uh, gets rolled out. So yeah, because they're um, you know they're probably going to offer a really f- a free so called free system. It's just going to be you know um, it's going to be a really interesting couple of years because. You got the you know got Go Daddy Bluehost you know obviously they're gonna have to, if they're gonna keep their keep a business model that doesn't just gradually just keep reducing they're they're gonna have to come out. Um, I can see Go Daddy buying one of these, attempting to buy one of these leading um, providers. Try and buy Active Campaign. Well, or, I think they might be better. Uh, able to buy one that's uh, more in the sort of, you know, just growing and competing area. That's That's been a little more of, of where their acquisition is. Yes, that's gone. true. Yeah. No, but that for the time being, um, but I, put, yeah, you're probably right. One of the smaller players 
But um, I, I, I see them. I can see them doing that actually, um, because it's really hot enough, isn't it, Spencer? It would. The only one that they would likely buy would be uh, Nathan Berry's company, ClickFunnel. Uh, um, not ClickFunnel. Um, not ClickFunnel. Is it ClickFunnel? I can't remember. He changed the that, name back and forth. Nathan Berry's uh, email. Yeah. That's ClickFunnels, right? No. 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 That's, no. no. ConvertKit. ConvertKit. Yeah. The point I'm making is that, like the consolidation that we're going to see is coming from the fact that everybody realizes that the, the democratization, the lowering of all barriers to entries and costs of all the various services that used to be by themselves like something you could charge a lot of money for has made it that a large company has to keep eating all the smaller fish. And that as we see the competition, as you said in the ad for Jack's product, you know, we supported WP Fusion on 30, 40 different CRMs, and it's a growing list. But what's happening is they're differentiating themselves into little micro specialties, like Tubular is a company that only does certain things like deal flow really well, but it, it's horrible for doing anything else. We use it to manage the deal flow. Then we use a separate one for doing things like marketing. Send in Blue is if you are in India and you want to send 800 trillion emails a month because you've got a Chrome extension, but Active Campaign, you'd be paying for all those people a larger price. So as each of these differentiate, there will be like a small fish subset of people that like stay under the radar. And then there will be one or two big competitors who will be bought by GoDaddy or theoretically if Ben Chestnut flexes that cash, I mean, they're in just as good a position to do the same thing, which is we're going to give you everything in one platform. And then that's going to be the debate between what is WordPress and what is the one or two or three other large, you know, whales in the ocean, because that's essentially what people will see. And that's what people will use because it's too arduous to try to change. I mean, bundling and what we call, you know, like a, a a membership mentality is the only way to make money today. If you have one person give you money, you've got to try to make that person give you money every month for everything under the sun that they need because it's too expensive to market to strangers every month for, you know, a little service. And yeah, the free, I, I think you've got ConvertKit. I, I would imagine they're also looking at lead pages and drip. And they're probably also, it's, this is a bit outlandish, Infusionsoft. I know they've, their, no. their keep product, then they've got yeah. a lot of money in the bank. But Never, you mean to buy them or to compute? Yeah, I can, I can see either GoDaddy or um, MailChimp looking at those three. Lead Pages is funded by venture capital money, and they bought Drip. And Rob Walling, that company's in political turmoil right now because after, I think Rob Walling, I'm not sure of it, but I think his his buyout contract ended. He left. He's gone on to do other stuff. On the and day, on the day, on the actual day, he was off. Because, because although I respect Clay Collins, that company is again, lost track of what its customers needed or they decided that it wasn't making them money. So now they've decided, well, you know, boom, flip the page. We're going to go in a different direction, alienate the customers. Infusionsoft, Clay Mask did that last year and flipped a whole bunch of people off because he aspires to be Mark Benioff at the enterprise level, even though that probably would have been the king of the hill had they just stayed focused on SMBs and entrepreneurs. Well, that's, why, that's why I think their target's to be bought. I'm saying that they have too much venture capital money to be bought. Now, the price could be bought, sure, but it would be so expensive. Whereas if you take the, the core technology... Well, give it a couple of years as they sort of sink down the tubes as a result yeah. of a bad decision. Sure. Well, that, that's the whole point. That's the whole point, Spencer. If they wait, if their VCs wait too long, it's just a you're just looking. You're looking at the value of your investment. Just go, but fundamentally, there apart from ConvertKit, I won't put ConvertKit in in the same um, barrel as that the other two. They've not, they're not going anywhere. They've lost. They've lost. This is my opinion. They've lo- and I agree with what your summarize summarization of them that they they're not they're not going anywhere. And things are just hotting up more and more. You can see that you know you can see the frog boiling in the water. You know this ain't going to improve. And those VCs. That, you know, they're not idiots. They can they can see what I'm seeing. So um, don't be that surprised, Spencer. I'm not surprised. What I'm suggesting is that the democratization 
applies to the technology that these CRMs are using. There was a time when it was somewhat proprietary. Now, we've talked about this every show. I'm saying hosting, completely democratized. Cloud hosting is a fractional cost. The actual code you know, base, the technology experts to write the code, everything that's necessary to start up a competitor would be a far better investment for a VC than to go buy a dinosaur with all of its problems and its politics. It'd be better to compete against them head to head. The only reason I mentioned Nathan Berry's thing is because they're small enough and isolated enough and simple enough that they could buy the goodwill and the customer base and use that as a springboard to get a brand name where they poured money into it. Whereas Infusionsoft, there's no amount of money that's going to fix Infusionsoft's politics. HubSpot, same way. That company is got political problems and money problems and who are we problems. And then you look at the other competitors that, for example, exist, and they're too big. Like you can't obviously buy MailChimp. They'll never sell it. That thing's a cash cow and it's politically well-oriented. Everybody really likes MailChimp. Even I do. They've got things that they're not doing right yet, but I'm encouraged that they're actually going to fix those things. Whereas in Infusionsoft, fungal, you know, it's like whatever, you know, nobody's going to give them any benefit of the doubt anymore. The ones that are on the fence, Entreport is run by Landon Ray, who is a really smart entrepreneur and came from a marketing background. He's getting into hot areas when he starts focusing all their energy on entre pages and entre checkout and all these accessories because... Well, yeah, thanks, Mike, because he's another one that's on the list that could be... I, I really do, honestly, there's always a there's always a right price if somebody's prepared to sell. Now, if, um, there's just too many of them in this market, and with MailChimp, it, you know, it's warming up considerably. I'm betting, I, if you want to say my bet, if we come back in a year, besides the whole how is WordPress bet, gonna, WordPress going to end up bet, my bet is that in a year from now, Marketing automation will be known by normal human beings. It'll be just part of the normal function where it's, again, I love being in this space because it's nobody knows what it is or how to use it yet. But I would bet on MailChimp for the reasons we talked about. They get the money, the inclination, and if they get some common sense and somebody knows what to do with the actual builder, they could really copy one of the other you know, automation builders and boom, they're done. Because their email creation stuff is amazingly good compared to everybody else where it's just janky. So we'll see. There we go. All right, we're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back. We've got some other great stories. The next story is going to be interesting. Uh, We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. Before we go into another story, um, obviously I do another podcast Um, with my great co-host, Cindy Nicholson. And I just want to mention on the 30th of this month, it's a Thursday at 9am Pacific Standard Time, me and Cindy are going to be doing a free webinar and it's the seven um, things you need to do to start your first course, your first successful course. And Cindy, Cindy is the beauty, I'm the beast. But it's going to be great value. Um, if you're interested, just go to WP Tonic webinar and you'll be able to register free and you'll be able to suck all that knowledge. So, on to the next story. Next story. Persona non grata, 10 years as a WordPress entrepreneur. That's from James Farmer of WPMUD Dev. What did you think of this one, Spencer? I mean, we've talked in private, like, I love James Farmer, not because he's... I love James Farmer. Not that he's the greatest human being in the world. He's a real human being. And I love his attitude because... He's Aussie. That's for sure. He's Aussie. It's like the story of the little, you know, it's like the emperor's new clothes story, right? I mean, he's the one that has, from day one, called it like he sees it. And he's not perfect. And he's made all kinds of public uh, faux pas. However, 
there's clearly he has survived, unlike people we referred to in the past, like poor Chris Pearson and so forth. He has survived the wrath of Matt and come out on top. He well, has Chris Pearson, you know, a lot, a lot of Chris's problems were, were brought on himself. Brought on himself, you know. But the point is, he's from like when I started WordPress. When I was in WordPress, when it started, right? Like you saw these little dramas and it was like a little cat fight at the commune and stuff. But now that it's all this, it's funny to look back because sure, we have our moments where, you know, Yoast has got to deal with his Me Too problems. But in the early days, it was like, ooh, Matt's going to have a fight. And there's a great graphic because that's exactly what it felt like. It's like, oh, Matt, Matt is going at it with James. James is at Matt. And it's like, who's going to win the GPL fight? And then there was the fight about like the domain name issue and all the stuff he outlines is hilarious because. For those of us who've been around long enough, A, it's a little nostalgic and it's like talking about 90s bands and stuff like that. But number two is that it demonstrates how far WordPress has come and yet how little it has progressed politically, corporate structurally, just maturity. With one exception, I don't know if it was bullshit or not, at least Matt Mullenweg made a comment in here, but it seemed a little snarky and smug to me because he's like gee, I hadn't thought about you in 10 years. Are you still around? That was his comment. And it was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Because WPMU may have a lot of issues. And we talked last week about how they had to like offload their multi-site stuff. But that company in my mind is doing as well as anybody can expect. It's a multi-million dollar year business. It may not be Envato, but Envato got a special pass from the King Matt that said you didn't have to do GPL. Whereas he didn't grant yeah, that. To that, was all, that was always odd, wasn't it? That was so. It, the, the whole thing is just like looking and, back at a high they, school yearbook. They eventually, mostly did do GPL. So, where who? Envato? Uh, yeah. No, what happened was Envato at the time, and Collis and his brother run a great business, but they got a special dispensation from the Pope that said you can decide whether you want to sell GPL or not. And at first, most people said screw it, I'm going non-GPL because I could sell this thing for $2,700 per site, blah, blah, blah. And then what happened is reality kicked in and everybody who's using WordPress is like, stay away, stay away. Like, what are you out of your mind? I'm not going to pay that. And they eventually came to their senses and it's sort of like everybody just gave into the GPL. But at the time, they were the only company that was given that special dispensation. And at the end of the day, it makes no difference because there's so many do as I say, not as I do moments that we're living now. Jetpack, the whole fiasco with WooCommerce trying to jam their marketplace right in the dashboard. The whole idea of like, is the hosting going to be a part of this now? Is there going to be something that like, you know, phones home? All of this can be seen for those that weren't here in this story about how a guy can survive if he relies, I think, upon being honest, even in this article. I mean, James comes out and says, I am the last... the farthest from perfect in the world. I swear and cuss. That's what why you put it. And it's like, I'm a human being, but you know what? Look at the facts. What did I do to deserve this? I was honest. That was it. Oh, he, come off it. Come off it. He was, he was a, honest. That was it. He didn't, he was an asshole sometimes, but he was honestly an asshole. He oh, didn't pretend. Come, with, come, off, come off it. There. Uh, he didn't pretend with fake, you know, fake voices and fake mannerisms. He, when he was angry, he was angry. When he was, being nice, he was being nice. Not this disingenuous behavior that's so disgusting. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. You know that kind of um, bum licking, so a, a, a certain group of WordPress leadership seems to do quite often. Um, my my position about Matt's been quite clear. He's a, you know he's a, a brilliant dictator. You know he said it himself uh, um, at the last. Um, you know, he's quite clear about it. You know, the GPL, uh, his, his confrontation with certain people around the GPL, I actually agreed with his position. I didn't agree with some of his tactics and some of the, the, the snastiness that... Um, that were around some of his actions, but his fundamental defense of GPL and WordPress, I I agreed. And if I was in his shoes, I would do exactly the same. Um, this whole thing around Gutenberg and the way it was managed and the, the way it was communicated, everybody that's got a brain can see that 
it's been a bloody train wreck. And he has to take some of the blame for it, you know, because, you know, he was mad enough to want to be the lead. Why he ever wanted to be the lead? Well, in his mind, he had to because it wasn't going anywhere. Um, but I, w- I wouldn't, if I had been in his position, I certainly wouldn't have wanted to be the lead of that train wreck and start getting getting the arrows directly sent to me. But I don't know. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, I think that uh, James Farmer would probably fit right in here uh, with the panel with the Renegade crew. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty much like hashed out. You know, it, it, it's it's possible to to speak your mind and still uh, make a living. You you don't need to be friends with everyone, though. It's probably. But, it's he kinda, he kinda pushed, but he kind of pushed it too far, didn't he, John? He was like, he kind of did. He, he was, he was looking for a bloody like, argument, wasn't he? Well, yeah, I mean, that, the article is basically, well, look, here's what an asshole I was. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think one of the interesting things about it, because this article is from 2015, and I remember all of those things. And I remember when WPMU was like, ooh, you know, the bad, bad people. And I remember some of those products because I used them. Um, and yet, you know, it's it's another five years on, and... Uh, I think the reputation of WPMU Dev has improved substantially. Uh, and, it, you know, it's kind of a reminder is, oh, yeah, we've had a lot of WP drama before. Uh, and eventually it moves on and we get, like, the next phase of WP drama. Yeah, well, they kind of made in this article, um, I love him. I, I can see why um, Spencer loves him so much, but... He kind of kept, you know, I think to myself, well, you keep looking for shit. Of course, you know, shit's going to hit you, isn't it? You you big mouth Aussie get, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, what do you think's going to happen? And, well, he, he makes that point about like, is it better to get positive attention or negative attention? Or does it matter? It was just like, I'm getting attention. So, you know, and the easiest way to do it is to piss people off. Yeah, and then he starts complaining that he didn't get any links in the tavern. Uh, well, what do you think's going to bloody happen? You know, come off it. So I, I, I think he brought it on himself as much as he was just basically a target because he was so outspoken. I don't mean like they sat down and plotted it. I'm saying the mentality at that time, I was very aware of it then, and now it's like retrospect even more clear, is that you never spoke ill about the king. You never said anything that was contrary to what the rules were. It was like literally a drink the Kool-Aid commune in those days. And it was much easier then, even than now, to ostracize somebody. Today, they just ban you, shut the gate, throw away the key, and you can't get into wherever. But there's a billion people using it. Back then, it was like you were publicly shamed. You had a scarlet letter put on you. And that was the end of it. And he weathered that storm admirably. And that's the part I like about it because... We all can say this. I, sure, there's a defender of Otto and the, you know, Mika and everything yeah, else. I always, think this, I always think this is a little bit overstated. If Matt Marenhag were really, he could have really, you know, if he really wanted to do a total land grab, it would have been done by now. You know, come, I think people are really naive when they come to, come to Matt Marenhag. You know, that. They talk about oh jetpack and look look folks if he was going to do the land grab that some people suggest that is being planned it would have happened already you know disagree I, I disagree well it there is, we go it, it is it is like you suggested there's lots of metaphor it's the boiling frog or it's the political you know look at all the fascist regimes of the past have done it it is the slow and steady and then one day you realize like there's no nothing left. I'm not saying in WordPress it's going to work because the one thing that they have to live with is the fact that it's open source. All the other places this works successfully, people had no choice because of licensing, copywriting, or the fact that they were mechanically stuck. Here, this code is available and it's open source. So if they go to that level, then they will basically have an exodus on their hands. That's what the difference is. So that's why it's more subtle here. The other thing you don't see anymore, which again, I find very interesting, is Matt Mullenweg no longer publicly shames people. He learned his lesson from the past because I think his handlers and the people who gave him advice said, 
you, you really came off like an irate teenager here, which is what you were at the time. And now it's going to come back to haunt you when you're trying to be, a, you know, the head of a corporation. And so what we're seeing here is letting his minions do the dirty work, like our famous Mayor Daley in Chicago. It's the best mayor in the world. And so was his father, because he always knew how to basically cut all the connections between himself and the things that were done. So he was always plausible denial. I think that's what we're seeing here. Does it matter? No, this is just fun conversation on a Friday when everybody would rather not be working. But does it matter for people that are making their living like the, the poor lady that worked at work camp or the people that have invested in something that gets dis, you know, uh, taken out of the repository? Yeah. For me, I don't care. I feel like I affiliate with, with James Farmer where F all of this. Like, I mean, WordPress, WordPress. I don't care. The people still use my services. But there are a lot of people that this is a really big deal for. And that's why there's so much, you know, water cooler talk about it. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, John. I kind of interrupted there. What, what did you back to you, John? I, I apologize. Uh, you know, I I think like I would like us to, if we have time, to hit this story on uh, the the miners learning yeah, the coding yeah, jobs. Let's go, let's go on to it. Yeah. What did you think of the next story? Which I thought was reasonably interesting. They were promised coding jobs in Appalachia. Appalachia, Appalachia. Sorry, now they say it was a fraud. What do you What do you reckon about this one, John? So definitely. Okay. So basically, what happened is there is this uh, organization called Mind Minds uh, that was given a one million dollar grant to basically run coding boot camps uh, for for uh, people who are in uh, coal country and. in West Virginia, I, it, this is a place where they need uh, jobs to replace the, the coal jobs that are disappearing. And uh, basically, only a few people out of this receive jobs because, okay, so the, the way that, that I'm understanding like how this worked is they promised all the people like, we'll pay you to learn for 16 weeks. Then when they when they got to the the um, meeting, they said no, we we can't pay you to take the course. Uh, a certain number of people left, and some people stayed. And the idea was they were going to place them with jobs, or they were going to give them jobs instructing the next uh, round of of students. So what happened was. In in actuality, the the people who graduated the first round and w- went on to that were supposed to be teaching the the next round of of people, they ended up getting their jobs cut uh, for for ticky tack reasons. Uh, and only I think there was only one person out of this particular town that graduated and found a job. Um, and it's really kind of a sad story because it's a false hope. I. One thing to understand, though, too, is uh, having a job and, you know, earnings, earning your own keep is very important to self-worth. And these people are proud people. Um, they want to feel like they have, you know, value and, and or they want to earn their, their keep. But there's a lot of people out there that want to work with their hands. And this is another thing that people don't understand because I hear people say this um, on Twitter and in forums and stuff, just learn to code, just learn to code. You know, if you want a job, just learn to code. Not everybody wants to learn to code. Some people want to work with their hands. That's what makes them happy. Um, But I do wish that there is, you know, like legitimate things, not just this, this uh, coding camp obviously didn't, work but oh, I because the reason why yeah. I, I thought you would like this story and I thought Spencer yeah. could have, have some insight on this as well and if uh, Morton had joined us I, I just thought it, but I also thought it's a very multi-layered story that's why I chose it because it, in some ways you could say oh yeah, it was a total rip-off and I, I on the balance obviously I don't know all the facts it does seem a bit sleazy this whole thing or it was done for the right reasons, but the people that started it were extremely naive. But the one fact that only one person actually graduated from the whole 
um, process does tarnish and kind of move you or moves me to the conclusion that it's pretty dicey, but we don't know all the facts. But it's a multi-layered story that I think is really, you know, these boot camps, you know, um, there are a number of them and, you know, they basically, um, there's a number of them that you go through and then they take, they find a job for you and they take a commission and they seem quite successful. Others have been sold. Um, so what did you reckon, Spencer, about this and this whole area? Because you've got some experience in this area, to say the least, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I remember the story when it first came out. This is a couple of years back, and I was really, this is indicative of something where I don't think it's fair for anybody to use this as a model as to why this thing cannot work. And this also should apply to other similar tech jobs that are a part of our political landscape right now. So when it comes to things like renewable energy, one of the big arguments is blah, 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 gas, coal, and oil is the thing we have to protect. And at the same time, those on that side of the table were being paid to say so are ignoring the reality that there are like 30,000 unfilled jobs as solar installation technicians or maintenance people and so on and so forth. So what I'm suggesting that this is indicative of is that as we evolve with any technology, the jobs will shift and evolve and some will go away. Those that shift are, if you were a coal miner in Appalachia, Maybe being a coder is not necessarily the perfect match, but that does not mean that you shouldn't learn how to be a solar technician or, uh, you know, a turbine installer or something that learns how to be in that world because those jobs are going to be irreplaceably valuable and in great demand soon. At the same time, when it comes to this particular situation, let's be honest. It's very possible that Mind Minds took a bunch of money and they did their best to outsource the teaching and whatever. But unlike an entrepreneur, they weren't personally accountable for the money. So they threw a lot of money at a lot of bullshit and wasted it and that it didn't end up the way they should have. Whereas if you would ask me to teach people or you look at like, um, um, what's the guy who created the free online YouTube thing that's so gigantic now? It was uh, with the man. Oh, no, unfortunately, I've forgotten it. Yeah. Um, and, and I had I interviewed uh, my interview Khan Academy. Yeah. So Khan Academy grew up as like a, a personal pet project. He wanted to teach his nephews how to do stuff and so on and so forth. If you had been personally responsible, you probably could have taught a dozen, two dozen, three dozen coal miners how to be coders. But one of the things to take away from my experience helping to build firstwebdesigner.com and then one wdtv.com is that. In the world of WordPress, there was a time from 2006 to 2014 that I successfully taught tens of thousands of people what you need to do to make money designing websites and selling them to businesses. The problem was that the technology evolved so fast that the page builders destroyed that entire marketplace just as many people were starting to get their their footing. You were actually a student of mine back then. The point is, is that many of them took away the entrepreneurial ideas and shifted them with the technology, myself included. That's why we focus on marketing automation, not on how to make a pretty website. Not that many people are able to do that. As I said in the beginning of the show, there are two types of people in the working world. Those that are employee mindset, and that's good for them, could be CEOs too. And those that are entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is a bitch. It is a lifestyle. It is a personal thing. It is not a decision you make. It's you are or you are not. And for those coal miners, the thing is, I would say they should be encouraged to try the next technological thing. Maybe it's, again, in solar. Maybe it's in wind. Maybe it's in some other electric you know, vehicle type of business where they can apply their mechanical desires, their capabilities. But either way, they have to take the blinders off themselves. And not say, like, I'm a victim here stuck in Appalachia. Instead, they have to say, like, what's the next thing that's coming? So it does require, like, a little bit of self-adjustment in their mindset and their mentality. That very nice 23-year-old young woman here is talking like she's a victim. But at the same time, I hear a little bit of inspiration. Like, I didn't want to be stuck in, you know, Washington my whole life. You're not stuck. You're 23. You're an attractive white young lady. You can do something else. But the problem is that she's surrounded by, you know, d- despair and, you know, historical well, pressure. Yeah, you know, uh, I want to put this to Sally, you know, um, we this is, a, this is a whole other area, isn't it, Sally? We seem to have contradictory 
Because higher education, you know, private and the public in the US just seems to me in a total bad area, in a real mess with ever-increasing student debt and little chance of these people paying it back. But the need for training and flexibility never seems to have been more essential. What's your thoughts about this? Oh, she's frozen. <laughs> Every time I put a crescent, oh, we back here. Uh, my, yeah, my, hey, I, I don't know. Comcast keeps doing weird things to us. Um, <clears throat> am I back yet? Yes, you're back. All right. Um, I mean, I've noticed a thing about humans, which is that the more we need things, the less we value them. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but besides that, looking at this, you know, We've seen lots of examples of unscrupulous uh, coding school kinds of setups. I mean, there, there's a lot of it is is web oriented now, but it's been in, in various kinds of, of software that, you know, friends of, of my husband's uh, who were like, well, should I pay this like very stupid amount of money to go to this, um, you know, coding school to, to learn the, you know, graphics uh, stuff for the movies and, and the game industry and, and that, you know, this is hey, maybe not worth it. And yet, you know, some people do go to some kind of coding boot camp and it's helpful to them in, in terms of either, you know, getting a job with a software company or, or going out on their own. I think it is extremely glib to suggest to people, oh, just go do this. Um, you know, it's not like everyone who can write code has a job that supports them because there are, you know, more factors than your particular skill and because there is as spencer says the technology changes all the time there are some jobs where you know sure there are changes in how you do the job but they're not it's not that kind of constant intense you know every day there's going to be a new version of something and 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 what you did yesterday may not work uh and that uh, you know that is difficult for a lot of people to do and to and to keep up with, um, and uh, you know, to a degree, if you are uh, young and not tied down with with uh, obligations, uh, you know, you can move uh, and be broke somewhere else instead of at home. Uh, but you know, if you're in a situation where you've already got, you know, uh, kids to support and whatnot, you know, to pick up and and relocate without having a job already to another city uh, is pretty tough. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, some people get trapped in a victim mentality more than they need to, and other people really don't have the same kind of opportunity uh and it and um but yeah it's it's sort of like you know some idiot on twitter made a, a remark a couple of weeks ago about like you know if you if, if if you know how to write code you'll never be homeless and there were a lot of people who responded you know gosh i've i've known some people who knew how to write code and ended up homeless at, at some place and i'm like hello um silicon valley you could be making a hundred k a year and, and sleeping on somebody's couch because you know housing is so expensive around here. It, it's like stop making pronouncements that you don't know what that people about. Are to do. Yeah, I think that's a great point, actually, Sandy. I think there's, there is a lot of that going around, and they, a lot of people make and they they really have no understanding of the realities of situations. But I also agree with Spencer. You know, um, you you got you know. There's the reality of the situation and your own responsibility for having a realistic and not getting so disillusioned because that just leads to a, a feedback loop. It is difficult, right? On on to the recommendations, and I've got I've got kind of two. Um, I've added one. Um, it's a book. Um, it's a book I read about five to six years ago, and I've read it now for three times. And it still it had a kind of dramatic effect on my um, outlook of the world in general, actually, and it's influenced a lot of my um, thinking ever since I read it. And it's it's a book called The Confessions of an Economical 
Hitman, and it's by a guy called John Perkins, and um, I highly recommend it, folks, if you want some new thinking. And the other thing is, um, I, re- I think, go, go and have a look at Funnel Packs um, at funnelpacks.co. Um, they've got some interesting, um, um, if you're looking to um, have funnels, basically. Um, Sally, have you got anything you would rec- want to recommend? Uh, two things. One is that um, uh, A Book Apart has released uh, the Elements of Content Strategy uh, free online. And it's, you know, it's a few years, it, it, it's a few years old. And if you're familiar with the area a lot, it, you know, there won't be any revelations there. But it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, it would be really helpful if my clients would all go read this and have like at least some comprehension that once you have accumulated a lot of content, you need to have a, a strategy for organizing and delivering it. Um, and then the other thing is something I just uh, came across uh, yesterday. I have not had a chance to try it. It's called Polypane and um, the browser for responsive web development and design. And possibly the best thing about it is the URL polypane.rocks. There you go. Spencer, have you got anything you'd like to share with the listeners and viewers? I was a user of Google Inbox, and like everything else with Google, they took it away for no good reason. Uh, The dumbest thing ever. I can't even go into it. But the guy who created Google Inbox, or was one of the team members, said, you guys are idiots. So he came up with something called Simplify, which I gave the link. It's a Is that that in Slack? Yeah, company article there. Um, It's a free extension. It, it's not inbox, unfortunately, but what it does do is it essentially, I think via CSS, kind of eliminates all the shenanigans and the clutter of your normal Gmail inbox, which is what I've been left to use. And it at least gives you the feeling of Zen-like. It's kind of like in WordPress, if you ever use WordPress in the post editor, if you can find it anymore in Gutenberg, you know how it's got the like non-distraction button or it used to? where like everything goes away. It kind of feels like that. They have one of those for Gutenberg also. You can't find it because it's so distracting in Gutenberg. You can't find and it. No, it's, you just have to know where it is. It's just, you've got like the spotlight mode and the blah, blah mode and it takes all your stuff away. Every, every day I feel like an Appalachian coal miner trying to learn code when I go into the Gutenberg. I've got to be honest with you. I, I've stuck with cl- most of my clients and even my new stuff. I've chosen not, not to look at Gutenberg and for another it's six carnival months. ride, and, oh, I, and I've, I've just bought, I've just bought in classic editor, and uh, we're using page builders, Elementor or B. Yeah, builders. like why don't they? I don't understand why don't they spend five minutes and just reorganize the stuff to feel like the old stuff, so at least you know where to get it. And why is the title eighty point high, and everything else is like twenty? Like it, it is literally like a schizophrenic person on. Some drug made that. It is a a little challenging as a a theme dev to basically have to write all of your styles twice because you've got to do one for the editor. It's it's like it's it's not brand new. This came out in December or whatever we were talking about last year, November. It was like, come on, it's already the summer. Fix it already. Yeah, that's that's a debate for a a future episode. It's like the crappiest page. I, I, I like it, but I am not. I want to wrap this up, John. Uh, um, John, go uh, to your recommendation. Yeah, and man, and I, I put this in chat, and this is kind of a cop out pick, but, uh, but it's, it's actually useful. Uh, if you are not currently, if you listen to this podcast and you're a creative professional, if you sell websites or marketing or whatever you do, um, you owe it to yourself to subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Future, hosted by Chris Doe and his team at Blind Studios. He's good. He's very, very good. He's been doing this for years. Um, uh, that, that would require me to watch video. Yeah. I just listen to it. You know, I, I don't necessarily watch, but uh, a lot of good advice. I mean, the, there's a lot of this out there on, on running. Oh, is that, is this, I, I'm so conflicted when it comes to him because... He's no, he's well, he's he's a kind of English, um, London. He's such a ponce, he's such a creative ponce, you know. He's one of these type that, um, when I went to the London School um, of Print and Design, there was a number of them there because it's an elitist semi, it's merged now, folks. But I did AMA there, and um, 
it's such a when I was there, it was such an elitist design school, and there was a lot like him there. And they're such fucking ponces, really, John. But okay. on the other hand, he knows his stuff, doesn't he, John? Well, I think that the biggest takeaways that I get from that channel are really the mindset yeah. and, you know, how you approach your business. I mean, because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. I think a lot of people are, are finally starting to, to realize that they can charge more uh, than what they have been if, if they actually deliver value. But I, I, in a note and disrespect, but I think there's a lot of corners of the WordPress ecosystem that undervalue their actual worth. Yeah, 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 it's true. All right, then we're going to wrap you up. Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? (laughs) She's frozen again. Let's go. Let's go to speak. I'm at the East Bay. Oh, I don't know what she hasn't paid her Comcast before. <laughs> uh, um, Spencer, how can people find out more about you? What you're up to? Uh, if you're interested in marketing automation, you have any question about your WordPress site for membership, e-commerce, and so forth, how this works out, you get a free call over at WPLaunchify.com or you can find the YouTube videos at uh, WPLaunchify. I posted up here too a video I just made for consumption that kind of sums up for anybody who's curious about what's the structure of a modern WordPress online business, uh, including all those pieces. So check that out. It's 20 minutes. Oh, can you put that into Slack? I put it the top to... link there, oh. the top link. It's a WP Launchify in the blog area. Oops. Oh, 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 but yeah, definitely. And John, how can people find out more about you? Two places. You can go to my website, lockdownseo.com, or you can uh, find me on my YouTube channel where I'm posting videos every day. Uh, just go to YouTube, search hashtag lockdown SEO. You'll find me. And is Sandy back? Are you back, Sandy? And well, you know, I, I was here, <laughs> even if my internet connection wasn't. You can find me at wpfangirl.com or I'm at Sally Getch on Twitter. That's great. Thanks, folks. And we'll be back next week with another interesting panel with a host of stories um, about WordPress or the internet in general. We will be back next week. See you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. Peace. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.